the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's always great to catch up with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org. That's Matt's site. Check it out on the web and follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. Let's start with the release of Brittany Griner from a Russian prison. You worked in Homeland Security. Tell me how these things work and what your view of it is. Well, look, I mean, you know, there are opportunities where you can get exchanges uh, of prisoners and get folks that are wrongly accused out of foreign government despot, you know, jails, hopefully at times in exchange for some some other people that you may you may have right now. Oftentimes you don't want to do that because then you're sending the incentive that take take somebody hostage, you know, convict somebody wrongly and you can get somebody out of jail. And so you just got to be smart about this. And, and the one here, you know, Bruce, that bothers me the most is. You know, all this media, again, this gets back to the media. They focus on Brittany Griner, who's, you know, a famous WNBA basketball player. And and so now we do this prisoner exchange with, you know, we give away the merchant of death, this arms dealer who's Russian that we had. She's coming home and, and, and we're leaving two Americans rotting in jail. You know, one is a, a Marine veteran that served our country. The other is a guy who was convicted, 60-year-old guy, convicted on the same charges that Brittany Griner was for small possession of uh, marijuana that he was, you know, prescribed by a doctor. He's he's got a 14-year sentence. He's rotten in jail in Russia. So I'm trying to figure out why did we exchange this merchant armed death dealer for Brittany Griner, but we left Mark Vogel, who is on, in Russia on the same charges, rotting in jail. Uh, why didn't he get to come back too? Is the difference because he's not famous? Is it because he's white and, you know, we, you know, we, we, we're so woke we focus on race when we do prisoner exchanges now? I mean, I don't know what – I can't figure out what the differentiating factor is, why he got left behind and she's coming home. Yeah, those are fair questions, I think. I didn't even know about Mark Fogel, and that underscores your point, that if you're famous, uh, you're going to get people to advocate on your behalf. I've never heard LeBron James or anybody else in the sports world advocate for Mark Fogel. Nor will he, just like he doesn't advocate for, for any Chinese slave labor, kid labor – uh, while he's selling, you know, billions of dollars of of, uh, of merch over in uh, China, while he lambasts America for every, you know, every perceived crime he thinks it's committed. Matt Mayer is our guest. OpportunityOhio.org is his website. Check it out. A great site for business information and other information. He weighs in with us every Thursday here on the Bruce Hooley Show. You can follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt. And I notice now you uh, have published or have had published uh, your review of Miranda Devine of the New York Post book, Laptop from Hell, about the Hunter Biden laptop. People can find that on TheOhioPressNetwork.com. Give me a little Cliff's Notes version of what stood out to you most about the revelations in the laptop as articulated in her book. First of all, I recommend everyone to go go out and buy the book for for Christmas, for gifts, to read it yourself because it is a very fast read. I read it in a, in a couple of hours. The piece that stood out to me is the number and amount of information in the book that I didn't know about. And one piece that hit me the most was you know this whole issue about you know when Joe Biden bragged about going to Ukraine and telling them they weren't going to get the billion dollars unless they fired this prosecutor, right? And, and the media has made this thing like this was a great thing and it had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's role on Burisma's board. And the prosecutor, Victor Shurkin, was going after the head of Burisma, right? And in, in the, the, what they claimed is that he wasn't doing anything to go after corruption, so that's why they fired him. Well, in the book, 
I learned for the first time that a couple weeks before, the guy had froze all of the property and assets of the head of Burisma. And so, like, we're talking like weeks before Joe Biden goes over there and says, fire the guy who just froze the assets of Hunter Biden's boss functionally. Yeah. Right. Who's paying Hunter Biden, you know, $90,000 a month to do nothing. And, and I didn't know that. And to me, that's a pretty damning piece of, of information about the kind of quid pro quo illegality. And the fact that I believe the Biden family still owns a percentage of this fund that is tied to Xi Jinping, the president of China, which maybe that's why last week Joe Biden had such a tepid response to the protests that are happening all over China to the COVID lockdowns. I mean, there is just a wealth of information in this book, Laptop from Hell, that Miranda published a year ago that I really, really would urge anybody who wants to truly understand the issue to go read it. And this is not about Hunter Biden in crack, porn, his bizarre affair with Bo's wife weeks after Bo was buried, Bo's wife's sister as well. Like, they have so much family gross stuff. It's yeah. disgusting. But that's not what's important. What's important is the, quote, Delaware way, which is Joe Biden for decades has used his power to get his brother James and, and Hunter and even Bo positions, money, access, homes that they've got cheap and sold high. All these things are detailed in Miranda's book about the, the, the Delaware way that he brought into the vice presidency that then allowed Hunter to go out and start selling the, you know, access to Joe Biden including things like Joe hosting a breakfast at the Naval Observatory, which is the home of the vice president. I never heard about this, but with, with Hunter's people that they kept off books, meaning wasn't on Joe's official calendar. There is no doubt in my mind that Joe Biden should have a special counsel uh, looking into this, you know, essentially corruption and, and selling access to companies uh, all across the world, including our enemies. We are talking with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org. Follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. Search his substack, The Patriot Mind, Matt Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. To your point, Matt, about learning things in the book that you didn't know before. Well, of course you didn't know it. Nothing's been reported from it. The major news agencies, which ignored it when it came out in the New York Post, then took a year or two years to say, oh, yeah, the uh, the laptop is authentic. They didn't report on it. Now they get a chance to do it over and do it right by reporting on what Elon Musk's Twitter files disclosure shows. And they're not reporting any of that. I'm just so mad at my former profession, journalism. I refuse to say I'm a journalist anymore because journalists now are not journalists anymore. They don't report news. Journalism is dead. If they're not interested in reporting government corruption of this magnitude, a government entity, the FBI, putting its foot on the scales, uh, then I don't know what journalism is. So that's one thing. My other concern is this. Can the House Oversight Committee stay focused enough in these hearings that they're going to have on this laptop to narrowly pursue Joe Biden rather than the salacious stuff about hookers and coke and all of Hunter Biden's assorted dysfunction? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, they will. But, but look, let, let me tell you what else is bizarre, right? Friday night, I'm reading the book, and we start seeing the, the release of the Twitter files from, from Matt Tabby, right? And, and Miranda Devine quickly starts tweeting, Something's not right here. They, they, you know, we know the FBI was telling Twitter and other social media companies of be on alert for something about Hunter Biden that's going to be Russian disinformation, right? And how did she know that? Because they, we had found out that the FBI had tapped uh, Rudy Giuliani's email. And so Rudy had gotten emails from the, the guy who had the laptop in, in Delaware, as well as emails from Miranda Devine in the, Washington, in the New York Post about the story they were going to be putting out. And so she's like, where is that information? Well, then we come to learn on Monday. You can't make this stuff up. 
they would be on this in any other situation. It comes to out to be that the guy who's at the center of the Russia collusion hoax, the Alpha Bank hoax against Trump at the FBI, ends up being the general counsel at Twitter, who over the weekend was essentially suppressing some of the information that Matt Tiabi was supposed to be getting, that even Elon Musk didn't know that this lawyer was suppressing information. The same guy is now involved in three or more different, essentially, hoaxes against the Republicans or Trump in the going from 2016 all the way through the 2020 election and now into Twitter in 2022. Like you can't, you can't. That's too good. That's too good to be true. That's made for TV stuff. That's the kind of stuff that journals, journalists get Pulitzers for, and they have no interest in chasing James Baker's role in any of this. How does Elon Musk not know who his general counsel is at Twitter when he buys Twitter? Like that seems like a big position to me. The top lawyer. Who's my top lawyer at Twitter? And he wants to release this stuff to Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, independent journalists. And Elon Musk doesn't know that there's a guy who's been involved in the kind of corruption that, that Elon Musk is now trying to expose. How does he not know James Baker is his chief counsel? How does he not get rid of him before he has a chance to mess this up? The same way Donald Trump didn't know that half the people around him were, were never Trumpers. That's why. Because... They are they are very crafty. They protect themselves, right? And and, and you gotta you gotta get you know three two three layers down below you of your trusted lieutenants, or you can assume that you got bad, bad apples among you. And, and that's what happens, right? These people are insidious. I saw it when I was in, in the Bush administration. I saw these people where they just ingrain themselves and they act like they're part of the team, and they're just cutting your legs out from underneath you. It happened to me. Happened to other people I know. So I'm not surprised that it happens. I'm not that surprised that Elon Musk, working at you know the level he's working to try to get this thing fixed, doesn't figure out that this James Baker is sitting over there and you know circulates you know this thing. And we and, and they only found out you know Matt Tabby's working with Barry Weiss on this document production stuff. Well, Barry notices this weird refer to like Spectra Baker. She's like, what's that? She's like, who's Baker? Oh, it's this guy Jim. Jim who? Jim Baker. Wait, you mean Jim Baker? James Baker is in the FBI guy? Yeah, he's the one who wants to review everything before you guys get it to see, make sure it should be stuff you see. Like, it was an unbelievable get in the last four days. And, and the media is just like, oh, yawn, boring, moved on. We're more interested in trying to, you know, talk about why, you know, Republicans blew the Senate races. I mean, it's, it's all about protecting Joe Biden because they know if, if you were to write Miranda Divine's book, Laptop from Hell, and everything's the exact same in it, except you switch out the Biden family names for the Trump family. Miranda and Emma Jo Morris would have Pulitzer Prizes by now. This, this would be this is bigger than Watergate. She, they'd be called the next Woodward and Bernstein. But instead, they're kind of like, who, who, who are those people? What's the story about? Oh, this is about porn and crack. When that's not what it's about. It's about selling access to the American government in the most corrupt way you can imagine. Matt, always great to have you on. I appreciate you. Appreciate your voice. Appreciate your insight. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Bruce. We spoke a lot about the uh, drag show in Clintonville that got canceled Saturday and the fact that it was uh, protested by people on both sides and that that protest was peaceful. Uh, But it now appears that if there is going to be another tense situation like that, that uh, Columbus police would be 
wise uh, to enlist the talents of Columbus Dispatch opinion writer Theodore Decker. Because from reading Mr. Decker's column uh, today, uh, it appears that he has uh, been gifted with the ability to read minds. And I would think that would be a highly useful skill for police to have if they are trying to engage with people who are passionate in their opposition to drag shows and in their support of drag shows. Uh, Please allow me to refer to Mr. Decker's column. Uh, He's very upset that a member of the Columbus Police Dialogue Team, which is a team that, guess what, dialogues with people at the scene who are highly charged, emotional, on-edge, tense. The job of the dialogue team is to engage them in conversation and to try to dial back their level of uh, edginess. And in so doing that, one of the police officers was seen high-fiving someone who was there on the anti-drag show side. Mr. Decker reports that it was a Proud Boys member. Might have been. There were Proud Boys there, but there were several other militias there. So I'm not going to say that it was definitely a Proud Boy member. It really doesn't matter. What Mr. Decker doesn't like is a police officer high-fiving anyone who is a militia member, or I would dare say anyone who is an opponent of drag shows. And so the officer, I'm sure they've uh, requested the body cam and have watched the body cam, they call out the officer for high-fiving this uh, member of the anti-drag show side of the protest. And somebody asks him, what's that about? And the officer replies, building relationships. (laughs) Good answer. Uh, Mr. Decker writes, during the conversation, there is a persistent hint of a smile that suggests, despite the officer's apparent training in community discourse, the officer is not at that particular moment even close to reading the room. So I gather from Mr. Decker's comment there that he has a problem with the officer smiling at a member of the anti-drag show side of the protest. Now, my wife often encourages me to smile more because she says a smile is disarming and a smile gives you a more joyful countenance and is less threatening than a frown or a grim look. So... As I said, Mr. Decker is apparently gifted with the ability to read minds, and he can tell that this smile on the part of the officer is highly nefarious in nature. And then one of the people who is uh, decidedly supportive of the drag shows responds to the officer when he says building relationships. The person who's pro-drag show says, with fascists? Now, who are the fascists in this case? I mean, I know the dispatch and... The pro-drag show people will say that the people who oppose drag shows are fascists. But the opponents of drag shows, which have been around since the 1950s, up until the drag shows started to try to include children, and this drag show advertised free admission to children under two, I don't remember anybody protesting outside drag shows until they started reading to kids in libraries and inviting kids to come in and videos started to circulate on social media about 
men garishly dressed in hypersexualized ways, performing and cavorting and twerking in front of kids. That's the only time that I would say that people began to protest drag shows. So who's trying to indoctrinate or who's trying to impose their values for the longest period of time? Is it drag show performers on kids or is it militia members trying to stop it? It's at least a 50-50 tie, yet the drag show people are never, ever labeled as fascists. And a fascist is someone who's trying to impose their beliefs by force on other people. And so I would certainly say that that applies as equally, if not more equally, to drag show members as it does to people trying to stop it. I continue with Mr. Decker's column. The officer told one of the bystanders that the reason he high-fived the militia member was because, and I quote, the guy said I had a good mustache. That's all it is. And then Theodore Decker writes, it is so much more than that. Oh, well, please tell us, uh, gifted mind reader Theodore Decker, uh, what is entailed in that? Ah, well, he's about to oblige. He says you don't have to pal around under the guise of fairness Listen closely. With people who espouse the same hate that led to the deadly mass shooting at an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs last month. Oh, is that what led to the shooting at the LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs last month? No, that is not what led to the shooting. As far as you know, Theodore Decker, because the person who did the shooting has identified himself not as a militia member. Not as a right-winger, not as an extremist, not as a proud boy. The person who did the shooting has identified themselves and has had their attorney, their legal representative, say that they are non-binary. They are a member of the group they attacked. I don't know why they did, but they say they are a member of that group. And Theodore Decker, I would assume, knows that. If he doesn't know that, he's not doing his job research. And if he does know it and he reports it, fact that he knows to be false, then he is a partisan hack, which of course he is. The people who espouse the same hate that led to the deadly mass shooting at an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs last month. Again, mind reading, he knows, he knows he's inside the mind. Has he been to Colorado Springs? Has he visited the shooter in jail? Has he communicated with him on Zoom? Yet Theodore Decker knows because somebody shot up a gay nightclub that the person has to be someone who hates gays. Would it be possible? Does anybody ever get shot in a domestic violence incident over what is referred to as a lover's quarrel? Does that ever happen? Was it, would it, is it even remotely possible that the person who shot up the Colorado Springs nightclub might have had a relationship with somebody in there? Might have had some hard feelings, some emotionally raw feelings related to that. Is that plausible? I think it's plausible, at least worth consideration. But there are no other scenarios introduced in Theodore Decker's column. Of course there are not, because he can read minds and he knows exactly what happened. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.